Hello, and welcome back at long last (laughs) to Blighty Day Fiancé, Sister Blights, the only Sister Wives recap podcast hosted by a married... I can confirm that. ...monogamous... That is true. ...transatlantic... Mm -hmm. ...international... I mean, that's kind of given by transatlantic, but continue. ...heterosexual... Sure. ...couple living in London. Right, Ah, just two of us in this marriage. Just eh, two Michelle? of us, yeah. Who would have ever thought that there would just be two people in a marriage? And for the record, I'm very happy having dogs in the bed. <laughs> I'm less happy about it. Not that I don't love them. Um, I can even live with the foot licking, which pretty much happens like through the night, right? <laughs> um, it makes me feel like Fergie. Uh, um, uh, it's the snoring. It's, I just, I, I'm a very light sleeper. So, um, so that doesn't really happen very often. Um, but you know what? I'm, I'm broadly okay with it in principle. I don't have like Cody like phobias. It's not a yeah. control thing. It's not like another man. Like when the French bulldog gets into the bed, I'm not threatened by it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Cody's threatened by anything that gets more attention than he does. Yeah. Uh, but having gone back to that first episode where he, he was, he did seem quite devoted to his children and, you know, quite happy to see them and affectionate toward them. It's not really something you see a whole lot of now, but that that, that was an interesting one to watch. Well, that's because like five and six year olds are very loyal. And it is impossible for a man to love someone if they're not loyal to, to him. I do miss Alfie at that age, I have to say. <laughs> I think between, I think six, seven, and eight are v- just peak. Very loyal. Very loyal. They're just fantastic. Um, I do want to address uh, our absence. Um, if you don't follow us on social media, which, which is absolutely fine, we're at Blighty Day Fiance. On everything, Blighty Day Bays, B-A-E-S, is our Facebook group, uh, patreon.com slash Blighty Day Fiance. I think just Blighty Day. It, yeah, either one of those. You'll figure it out. Google is your friend. Um, I'm about to be the new CEO of uh, Twitter, so we're there. <laughs> I think everyone's going to get a turn. No, I think he, I think they said a Robin, like oh. an actual Robin the bird, will right. be... Uh, CEO of Twitter. I mean, it's about time that Twitter was given back to the birds. Yes, I, right. I agree. Um, yes, yeah, so we've been absent for a couple of weeks. Three weeks ago, my father passed away. Um, he was a spectacular human in every sense of the word. He devoted his life to ending world poverty. He co-founded and was CEO of a charity whose mission was the alleviation of global poverty that's uh, operating, I think, in over 35 countries now, which is really impressive over the course of three decades. Yeah, it changed millions of lives. Really. Saved millions of lives. Yes, generations, but by helping people help themselves, by initially, at least by helping people who wouldn't have access to credit, getting credit. So 
helping entrepreneurs, really. Uh, he was a social entrepreneur himself and a mentor to many, both personally and business-wise. I am immensely, immensely grateful for the time that we had with him. I was ecstatic to have been able to give him uh, a grandson who he loved um, and was very close to, and uh, I I want to keep that there. Um I do, however, want to thank Matt Marr, who, you know, went through this with his father last year and was in a position to be able to hear me and advise me and support me, um, to Jake Anthony, who has been a mentor to me and a guide through, again, one of the most difficult years of my life, certainly, um, and they are technically our Facebook moderators, but they've become our core supporters of this podcast. Caroline Dickey, Heidi Anderson Pearson, Licia Hockenberry, Megan Taylor, Sonora Kelly, Sue Quinton, don't and what? Don't pull over. Oh, don't pull over. Yeah, we're not in the cabine today. We're at the front of the house. Yeah, so. we are. So you might hear stuff like that. I thought ambulances were going to be striking today. That's the only one. That's the one ambulance. Sorry. And Stephanie Pelkey, certainly uh, not least. No, very she much in our thoughts. Yes, too. absolutely. Um, so, yeah. And you know what? I want to go out on a limb and thank my husband who has wrapped me up in cotton wool and bubble wrap and taken each day of this grieving process as it comes and supported me whether I was nice to him or not. Um, he, so, sounds, he sounds lovely. <laughs> so thank I'd you. I'd like to meet him. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Thank you, beautiful. Um, and thank all of y'all um, for being patient. No one today has uh, turned up um, at the house, kicking on the door and demanding um, that we do a podcast for them live. Um, if you can ever find out where we live, we probably would, to be honest, with those kinds of people. But you've all been like kind of amazing and patient. Um, and I know the rules of podcasting. You just got to keep doing it, right? Um, we know how it works. And like, you know, we've worked in various businesses where, and you know, me and the entertainment side of things where like, you know, the show must go on and all that. But um, I think you get it, right? Sure. Yeah. We've had, we have a limited amount of energy and thought and attention and we had to turn everything to our family during, during that time. So there's, this is, this is going to be a long road. I have no illusions about that. Um, I mean, we're really just popping our heads out, aren't we? We are, yeah. You know, just seeing if it's going to bite. And if it bites, we might pop our heads back, but we'll do our best not to. Um, I think we've got until the new year before there is another episode of Sister Wives for us to cover. Um, what we're going to be covering today is part one of the interview, uh, the one-on-ones. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we, you know, we'll bring up some stuff from the weeks that we missed, I'm sure, because it's probably vaguely relevant. But to be honest, there's a little bit of water treading towards the end of the season, I guess. You know, I think yeah. I think we're fine just catching up on 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 the interview, which we'll cover. It. Yeah, I think it, 
all of these things. Now, when we started out, I would pick a few themes and we would cover the episode that way. Uh, then we went to quotes. For this, we're not going to do a, a, a beat for beat, but we are going to go to um, I th- what I think are the salient points of the interview. Again, none of this is new information, so I don't think they were revealing anything. Well, there was one thing. Now, if, if you didn't already know, then I guess you did find something out in this. Uh... Yes, the, which is that uh, Janelle and Cody are separated. Mm-hmm. And... and I'm comfortable, I think... Are we comfortable with spoiling while we're talking about this? If if you're not comfortable with the later stage of developments with the Browns, and look, it may be covered in the next two interviews, I don't know, but I think we will be talking about it. So I, I think most people who watch this show kind of know all this stuff, right? But if you are very guarded about this stuff and you like your surprises and you like things only to be delivered through the medium of the, sh- of the show, this might not be the episode for you because we probably won't dance around things that are like in the public domain, right? right? Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. So um, the first thing, and I am sure we're not the first people to bring this up and we won't be the last. Cody, Cody's suit was ill-fitting and I think that's being generous. Yeah, people have pointed out that it was like when Michael Scott in the office <laughs> wore a women's suit. Yes. Yeah, and it really was, right? It fabric, fit, everything. It's like, dude, that, that suit's too small for you. There's no room for a waistcoat as well, or a vest, I guess our American friends would say. Um, It was just appalling. Um, Like, I guess, like, maybe, like, a ringman in a Vegas circus might have worn in the 1970s. No, I think that's being too generous. I think this is like, we, now, we call them estate agents here. They're called real realtors in the u.s yeah it's a really hard word real estate agents i feel like there should be another syllable like realtors yeah something like that anyway he looks like a bargain basement stathlet's flats level estate agent it's just it's appalling the peninsula um <laughs> I mean the bays uh, either side of his head now. I think you could I think Captain Sandy could park a mega yacht. <laughs> I think it's yeah. It's about the size of a of a typical mega yacht slip in St. Lucia. Yeah. <laughs> um I just have to say as well uh I don't hate Captain Sandy taking over for Captain Lee. I've really come around. What's happened to Captain Sandy? I think she's taking medication Something. to help or, with or whatever. She's, she's getting some. I don't know what it is. She has transformed as a person. Like what what's her name? Um the, the blonde not blonde. Hannah? No, the the awful Dexter on this season. Oh, Camille. Camille. Like, the way she spoke to Camille. Like, often you watch these things and you go, all right, you did a pretty good job in that conversation. Genuinely, I watched that and I went, I wouldn't have had those words. Like, she man-managed better than I could, in quite an inspirational way. Yeah, I agree completely. She could lead my ship. Yeah. I'm really impressed. Captain Sandy, if... um, you know, she steps in, right? So if one of us is sick and you want to step in on our <laughs> yeah. pod, 
<laughs> I trust you with anything. Oh, right absolutely. Now. You want to babysit Alfie? I trust you to do that. Um, whatever. Feel free. So I think that um, I was surprised that the suit wasn't shinier, but you know that that lapel was quite high for a man's suit. I noticed that it was quite yep. a narrow lapel. Yep. Um, as as I you think it was a three button as well. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like the the golden rule for like kind of suit jackets, sports jackets, whatever you want to call them, um, is I think with every decade you lose another button. <laughs> Or maybe every two decades, right? Because back in the day, like 30s, 40s, maybe even 50s, you would have four-button or even five-button jackets, right? And then that went down to three, I think was conventional in the 70s and 80s, maybe. Um, what in my head is, is your classic design is a two-button because, you know, I guess I came of age like in the 90s, 2000s. Now, um, and, and you know, I have suits with a single button. Um, and I think that looks rather good um, because you should only ever do one up anyway. So what's the point of the other one, right? Um, I guess in the future, there'll be no buttons at all. Um, and then like maybe every 10 years you have to sort of move your, <laughs> the bits of your jacket further and further apart. But the trend is definitely for fewer. Cody, um, as he has with wives, has bucked this trend and has decided to add more to everything. It's, it's a lot. I yeah. can't think of a time when that look would have suited him. Um, He's not a suit man, is he? No, and but he's I'm... in good shape. That's the thing about Cody. I I find it, and again, there's no body shaming at all here. There's no judgment. I just find that Cody's physique is quite different from that of his wives, and yet presumably they all eat the same kinds of things. Maybe he's more active because he's running around from house to house. I don't know. Maybe, but chopping wood. I also think. Um middle age and i'm including myself in that bracket is kinder to men than it is to women that's true generally. those women have had a lot of kids and robin likely has some kind of thyroid problem based on the size of her neck i'm not a doctor i'm not diagnosing i i need to say something though and if other neurodiverse listeners have had this experience let let me know i got a call from a nurse practitioner at my doctor's office telling me how my autism affects me um and the level to which it limits <laughs> certain aspects of my life or affects certain aspects of my life that that was a that was tough that was a difficult experience for me so i just sorry i needed to get that out yeah, there just get that off chest um so there's cody he looked um ridiculous he always does how did everyone else look um mary's hair i felt was a big mistake um that kind of lamar from kajagoogoo flat on one side um i was really disappointed because i bought a wig specifically so that robin and i could reenact well, don't Some spoil it. We'll still do it. Yeah. Yeah, but she has gone full dark. Yeah, now. it's too hard to to emulate, but that's fine. Um, yeah, that wasn't good. Um, Janelle was looking, you know, all right. I thought um, Christine is a queen and looks more like a queen every day. I thought her makeup was very unforgiving, but that's not her fault. She didn't have enough eyebrow. That's the problem. She and should have borrowed some from Rabine. 
Oh, by the way, um, Rabine is how you pronounce the name, R-O-B-Y-N. Um, if your name is spelled R-O-B-I-N, you're allowed to call yourself Robin. Yeah, Rabine, I think, delegated the eyebrows to someone else. What I didn't like about Christine's makeup was that it was very, um, it was very matte, which very under matte. those lights mm. are are too flat, and so... I think I would have need I w- I would have wanted a little highlight, a little dimension. It looked like there. she'd fallen asleep and her face had landed in some pizza dough. I don't it, think it, it was pastry like kind of. I don't think it was that bad at all. I just think she looked great. I'm just saying it. I I just think if you're going for matte, you have to soften it a lot and yeah. build in a little bit of dimension in yeah. the cheeks. Bit flowery and uh, yeah, but you know she looks. Fantastic. Her, her confidence is incredible, right? Her articulacy, her confidence, um, the way she structures sentences in such a thoughtful but complete way, uh, more than I'm doing now. Um, she's quite a piece of work, right? She is an impressive woman. Piece of work in a good way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, there's a lot of use of the passive voice, with uh with these folks right and it's the refreshing thing about christine is that she's not in her victimhood she's taking accountability she's taking responsibility for herself and she's making her own decisions yeah she's also setting boundaries yes she'll swallow some of it but then she's like nah not swallowing that one nah and i like that i do too um I think we it might be helpful to to sort of take everybody in turn. So while we're on Christine. All right. Um so Christine continues to deny having had a bad relationship with Robin or an antagonistic relationship with Robin. I sorry, Robine, I just don't see that it happening that way. It just doesn't make any sense to me that it that but it would go that way. I don't understand why Rabine is so desperate to have a relationship with Christine. Like, they're not friends. It's, it's so hard. Like, there must be some book clubs in Flagstaff. Like, there must be some other way for Rabine to get out of the house and make some friends without having to be friends. It's a control thing, isn't it? But I don't think she sought to have a friendship with her. I... I think, and they have certainly brought this up before, that when Robine came into the family and didn't ask for Christine's help and didn't even consult her, you know, when she got a nanny uh, and quit her job, I I think that was probably hard for Christine and that was probably the factor in how her family kind of, how Robine's family blended or didn't blend into the existing family and i've only seen clips yeah um, it's kind of rude like if the whole idea here and i think janelle was the one talking about what the point of the family was um i think she was saying it when cody was talking about patriarchy and i think janelle was like as far as i remember we kind of set this up so like there would be a community to raise the kids i think if you then get a nanny are you not essentially saying that you don't believe in that. And the whole point of the whole, not experiment, I've been watching too many other shows where people call things experiments, but the whole point of the scenario or the paradigm 
is then completely defeated, right? Yeah, and Janelle talks about not having signed up for patriarchy, that they agreed, and her agreement was that coming in to the family, they would raise the children as a team. Right. Which They all signed up for plenty of things, which are no longer the case. So you can't just cite that one thing. Yeah, yeah. Co- Cody was talking about people having to to run their will to his. Yeah. Right? And I don't know what that the means. Fifth will or <laughs> how many how many will? It's uh whatever will it is, it's a big deal will. It's a big deal. Yeah, yeah the will's a, a big deal. Right. A real big deal. A real big um deal. Yeah, and and she said that they never they never talked about one person or another being in charge. Are, are we doing that bit? We could do that bit. Like, let, look, we all think patriarchy is repulsive and stupid. Um, however, if you're going to have multiple wives, I can see, I can see, I can see the idea of one person having like the veto or controlling when you've got that many people, right? When it's two people in a marriage, it's, it seems fairly ridiculous for one person to have the authority, right? But where you have five, I think it could be a massive clusterfuck and nothing would ever get done. And so I can sort of see the point of one person having that uh, presidential kind of, you know, master power. I get that. But my understanding is through through action and through what's actually happened rather than what other people's personal opinions might be is that Christine was the leader of the family. Yeah, right. Christine was the one who organized. Christine was the one who brought everybody together, who, you know, mitigated a lot of these conflicts, maybe not the conflicts between wives. And maybe isn't that the point? Like in life, if you ever just want to get something done, just do it. Just yeah. do it. Show people by example. Just get something done. And they'll go, oh, yeah, that works. And then they'll go along with it. Um, I often think that too many things in life are ruined by people talking things through and discussing it. Like ad infinitum. Because you can always find problems with anything. Right. And I think the issue that came up repeatedly, and what I'm going to come out and say is likely to be utter horseshit, is this vignette that that Cody paints of uh, him deciding when they got to Flagstaff that he he and Mary were going to reconcile and Christine losing her shit over that? Well, that seems to be the big topic for episode two, doesn't it? Which is such a small and trivial thing to be making all this fuss over, but it does seem to be the big the last remaining thing for them to disagree about <laughs> like well, you know i mean the the thing is all of these things are so easily disproven by the decades worth of video footage that exists right there are things that you can't deny you can't it's undeniable that cody whether he created them or not, whether he conceived of them or not, Cody uh, chose the COVID protocols at protocol proto protozoa 
protocol calls. <laughs> protocols. Custom call? He, ch- he chose the protocols as the hill that he would die on, right? Right. And boy, did he die on that hill. Uh, oh, well, mad respect to Cody for being the only, only person who ever had COVID. COVID. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> that's something I, I guess we missed by not covering those episodes. Man alive. That was man flu in excelsis. It was. It really- it was staggering. Like, Rabine actually is in the hospital, and Cody is the one who nearly died. I guess because he didn't, um, he's too much of a man, too much of a leader to seek medical help, but he was clearly much more sick than Rabine. Actually, Rabine didn't seem that sick either. I, okay. Now, we do have, um, certainly at least one long-term sister wives scholar who's been amazingly helpful. Uh, I won't mention her name in just in case she would prefer that I not. Is it Janelle? (laughs) I wish she was in the group. I think she blocks podcasters, but I'm not sure. Um, I have a terrible feeling that, Rabine might be um, affected by mental health issues in such a way that demands more attention or more um, consistent relief. Like, I, I will put it out there right now. I can handle having one child who is fairly independent when it comes to, you know, he can bathe and dress himself and um, is starting to be I mean, able to feed himself and all of that. He can. Yeah. He, I, he needs prompting, but as in, I don't have to give him a bath anymore, right? And I can handle that just about. <laughs> if If we were to have another child, I would probably, if we were to have another... Not another child, another baby. If we were to have another baby, I can't foresee how I would do that without at least part-time help, right? genuinely. And that, that's because, you know, you have your own set of needs and stuff. And yes, this is kind of the thing. Like, there might be a bit of clunking, everyone. I've got to move my legs. Ah, ah, such an old man. Um, yeah, I, I'm broadly sympathetic to Robine. I know, I know it's an unpopular um, dill to hire. Yeah, and you are wrong. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong. But sometimes, I don't know, I think hers is a sad story rather than a mad story. But but I don't know. I've only seen this season. Um, I, I think she will have her awakening and, and uh, I, I expect redemption there. But yes, I dare say she had a nanny. It's because she needs it more. She's had more of Cody's attention. Maybe it's, but broadly, I think it's because she is what he regards as loyal, right? She asks a lot of him, I think, but I don't think she criticizes him. And I think ultimately that's the only thing he cares about. There's also, Rabine mentioned that she doesn't allow cody not to talk to her yeah um and i sort of admire that like i think Mm -hmm. i think people do need to process things in their own time and 
space in the way that they need to. I, Mary, for me, is the biggest fucking idiot in the entire show. That genuinely, she thinks that by sitting in the woods, this will resolve itself magically somehow. Also, because we were alluding to it a little while ago, and I know we're going backwards and forwards. Hey, we're rusty kids. Um, this whole, um, w- 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 was it cookies? Rice Krispie Treats. Rice Krispie Treats. Yeah. yeah, the easiest confection to make. Um, I, I, like, <laughs> Cody's reaction in the moment, they, they had the footage of that. He was a bit like, well, that's gross. I have no idea that we've been married for 31 years. Was it 31 or 30? Because I remember going, shit, man, that meant that you missed your 30th and didn't mark it. That is brutal. Um, he d- it didn't. Did you see a look on his face where suddenly the love came back into his eyes? I, I felt that he was kind of grossed out by it. That was not a turning moment for the man. He was desperate to get back in his pickup. I remember watching I remember watching that episode and the and what I took away from that whole interaction was that well, was was him her saying, you know, oh, I'm waiting for you, and him saying, Well, I'm not coming. Right. I'm never coming. I, I did not see the light go on, but he's choosing I, I think, again, he thinks he can control his own narrative by saying what he wants. And he does this a lot of times. Like, he'll pick a particular moment and twist it around, then everything then spirals off in that moment. But that moment's a fiction, right? So this moment where he felt that there could have been reconciliation, but Christine was the one who started, bullshit, there could never have been reconciliation. And if he'd wanted to, even though Christine had been against it, he would have done it anyway. Since when did he listen to what anyone else said, right? So utter horseshit, utter horseshit. But then shame on Mary for sitting there and thinking that things were magically going to transform because what? Like Cody vacillates in some way? Yeah, he'll get a new wife, but he doesn't want to get the old ones back. Well, as anyone who's been listening to to us for the duration will recall, my position on Mary was... Mm. That uh, she was in a, sorry if this is an offensive term, a Mexican standoff with Cody um, and her reason for living, her raison d'etre, if you like, is was... Is this like a French-Mexican fusion? Was to watch the light go out of Cody's eyes and to be the the one, you know, who was there for him. Kind of like, I guess... That last episode of The Walking Dead where there were those two people. Spoilers for the last episode. It won't really be spoilers because you're going to go, there was that person and that person, so go on. No, but there's there's that like sweaty guy and then the girl who got bitten and he's looking and they're sort of looking at each other and he was like, oh, I'm glad it was you. And she's like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm glad it was you or something. Like I, I... I thought it was going to be kind of a situation like that. But the other way around. Cody, yes. Cody's been bitten. Cody's been bitten by a zombie. Um, Mary's just sitting there waiting for the light to go out of his eyes. Ah. And, uh, and she's the last brown standing. Um, That's a really horrible phrase. The last brown standing. Look. That sounds like something you need bleach for. I feel, I agree. I But I feel like I've got to eat my words because right. 
Now, when I first saw the news that Cody and Mary were separated, I thought it was because... That was the spoiler, by the way. Right. (laughs) I thought it was because she left him. I later found out that it was because he made it clear to her or she finally accepted it or whatever. Right. So it still wasn't her walking away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And there is the testimony from the supposed catfish who might not have been a catfish at all. Look, that's a... I'll go on the record here. I'm I'm buying everything from the catfish that wasn't a catfish. There, w- I believe that there was an affair. I do too. Yeah. I and, do too. And I believe that Cody never forgave Mary for that. And the idea of him going back to her is ridiculous. Some t- people go back to spouses um, after, you know, infidelity and stuff like that. And that's fine. But what you have to remember <laughs> is um, Cody is incapable of loving anyone who isn't loyal to him, right? And and so he could never, ever go back to Mary after that. And also, um, he's got three other wives, right? So what on earth does he need to go back to Mary for? They don't have young children. He's got three other wives. She betrayed him. She's not loyal. Never going to happen. It was never going to happen. And she's kind of bonkers for thinking that it might have, right? I think I, I was also interested and would have liked to know more about the relationship breakdown between Mary and Christine. I have seen a clip from the days of yore when I, I guess, and this doesn't surprise me at all that Mary's method of conflict resolution between children is like screaming at them. Right. Um, And Christine's approach is a little different. And I wonder, but it seemed like Christine was referring back to a specific incident where she felt betrayed by Mary and didn't feel safe. Whereas Mary says she was, she felt betrayed by Christine and said they had fun and they don't know exactly what, and she doesn't know exactly what the deal is. She focused on that, didn't she? The amazing fun they used to have together. And I was like, "Mm, I'm not seeing it. And then I remembered Mary and her pal a few weeks ago. Jen. Yeah. Right. And how actually Mary is all about sister fun. She's a fun time gal, Mary. Um, (laughs) unfortunately she never actually has fun, but she desperately wants it. And maybe, you see, maybe this is why she is so in love with Cody and she is. Um, and this is where I think you were wrong that she just wanted to see the light go out in his eyes. I think she loves him because Cody is say what you want. I can see how Cody could be tremendous fun. He's got a lot of energy, right? Not for me. No, God, not for me. (laughs) But for Mary, I can see it, right? You imagine all the drab, dry, dreary men in her church, right? And then there's Cody, you know? His hair looks like an exotic island. He's, you know, fresh-faced. He's in good shape. He bounces all over the place like Tigger. Um, He's got that kind of joie to him when he's younger, at least. And I could see that. I think the source, the main source of tension in their marriage and probably what destroyed it, to be fair, was that Mary, he always described Mary as the bait, right? Right. Like 
So Mary, I think, got along with everybody, managed all the social stuff. You know, obviously she was the she was the top recruiter uh, for the family, and I think when he. I think when he married Rabine, he was finally with someone who didn't need anything from him and did, or sorry, needed everything from right. him. Right. I was going to yeah. correct you. Yeah, yeah. Needed to be told what to do, yeah. where to stand, how to look, what to wear, all of that. And he went from being in a relationship where Mary told him everything, because remember, he didn't grow up in this specific religion and didn't really know what the rules were. And I and I would argue was probably pressured into it by his dad or made to feel like, you know, he would be more accepted by his father if he... Because his dad was onto a financial good thing embracing this. Is that right? I I'm unclear on what the attraction was to be completely honest with you. I you know, my mind goes to the the base reasons why a a farmer in Wyoming might uh tire of having sex with the same woman every night or you know, however often. Just in Wyoming. Um yeah, sure. Right. Uh or anywhere else for that matter, but um I also want to address Cody imitating Christine and Janelle like panting dogs. I think all dogs would like to address that too. Uh, The dogs will be filing a suit for defamation. Look, it's not good. It's not good. It's it's not good. I guess what I'm (laughs) saying is... It's not good to represent women as dogs, is it, really? I don't, what I'm saying is, uh, to go back to my previous point, because hopefully everyone is as revolted as we were by that comparison, Um, Cody didn't actually, Cody grew up in a patriarchal family, but he didn't experience being a patriarch until Rabine came into the family. That's interesting, because he says that the three previous wives all signed up to I don't believe run that, their will into his. I don't believe that for a second. Neither does Janelle. I don't believe it for a second. I don't think, I think Mary, I think Mary wore the pants, if you like, in their marriage to each other. She brought Janelle in. The two of them didn't get along, but Co- with Cody and Janelle, it was a marriage of equals, Right, but Mary was the next tier up. She was still kind of running that family. Yeah, and then Christine comes in. Cody sees himself as above Christine, but it's because not, she's the hired help. Right, basically. Yeah. yeah, but she didn't. But he didn't feel that she was worthy of him. Nor did he feel like he owed her anything. No, he gave her room and board, which was more than she deserved because she's not pretty enough for him. Which is ridiculous because to my eyes, Christine's the best looking of all of them, but that's beside the point. Sure. Um, And I I think... And so what was Janelle at that point? Janelle was a breadwinner. 
Yeah, like I said, Janelle is more of a husband. Yeah, so Janelle was like his safety blanket that he didn't have to worry about anything. Right. You know, and now as time has gone on, he's fallen out of love with this, you know, whole thing because he's made a bit of money out of a TV show and out of selling guns or whatever the hell he does and doesn't need any of them anymore and just wants that quiet life, which I kind of dig, but then maybe don't fuck up so many other people's lives and waste their lives on the way to getting where you were always going to end up anyway. I also think he's going to be tremendously bored by Robin, Robin, genuinely, because I think what worked for him was having that counterbalance. Yeah. Of being in charge all the time, and 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 people might argue, okay, but during COVID he was in charge all the time. But was he happy? No, he was not. Well, the whole thing is like um, Rabine has made herself feel good because she's like better than the others, or he likes her more than the others, or he loves her and wants to be with her more than the others. Now that there are no others, there's just her and him. What has she got to gauge her worth by in any way? I think she is fighting to be second stewardess. You know what I mean? Instead of third. Right. It's a it's a pointless... Uh... <laughs> You're still doing laundry. You're still a maid on a boat. Yeah. Okay? Well, she has a maid. <laughs> You're a maid with a maid. A maid with a maid. You know... It, it's. <sighs> there have been a few uh, stews on Below Deck that would have liked their own. Like, uh. Rocky? Yeah, Rocky could have done with a maid. Um. A mermaid. Here's a question for you. Yeah. When. How did you feel, or how did you interpret Cody saying that he doesn't fear anything but poverty? It said everything. To me, can I go on a rant? Yeah, you're very sexy, by the way. I love you. And sometimes when you have that look, when you're like completely certain about something, it's just, oh. Ooh. Ooh. It said, oh, listeners, forgive me. You might not like what I'm about to say. <laughs> <laughs> it was everything that is repulsive and grotesque about the American male psyche of this era. Hetero the, male psyche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broadly, yeah, white male hetero. Uh, this notion that poverty is for others, not for you, or that in some intrinsic way, because you circumstantially have things, that you deserve things more than someone who circumstantially doesn't have things, mm -hmm. is so grotesque and vile to me. By a sheer accident of birth, you were born into a family that maybe had a bit more than the family down the fucking dirt track or across the ocean from you. In any way, that makes you better. But you're right, that fear that you might lose that privilege, that you might become the Bangladeshi sweatshop worker, right? Mm -hmm. This repulsion from that beyond anything else. You know what I fear? Beyond anything else, I'm not afraid of many things. You know what I fear? Failing the people I love. That's what I fear. 
right? And I can be poor and still be the best I can be under those circumstances, right? But to have that privilege removed from him, to have that security net, that luxury, all of those things that means that the patriarchy can exist, to have that removed, that's anathema to him. That's pure poison and pure death. And But what I liked about it was that absolute candor. Mm-hmm. Few people would say it. And what I like about Cody Brown... <laughs> is that he doesn't varnish that truth. He doesn't varnish that truth. He is Tronald Dumb <laughs> with even worse hair. Um, we're not allowed to say that name in this house. Um, hopefully I can get away with that. Um, it just causes too much anxiety. But And, and forgive me, like I don't want to get into politics and all of that stuff, but as, as a, a man who is not American, I look at... <sighs> I look at some of the assumptions that, 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 that American men have and the relationship with money, white, middle-class Americans, and this idea that everyone is entitled to wealth, and that is not how it is in the rest of the world, even in Britain, right? This idea that every man has a stock portfolio is fucking weird, right? It's fucking weird to people in other countries, it just is. These are not normal things. It is not normal to have assets and capital and that level of security and that level of comfort. It's And, and it also isn't even common in America. It's just a gilded few who managed to get the dream of the 1950s and have prolonged it for another 70 years, God knows how. But the vast majority of people don't live like that in America, let alone anywhere else. But here, we look at things like that and we're like, weird. It's just weird. Everyone else is surviving. Incidentally, I'm training to be a financial advisor, so if you would, <laughs> like some... Like a stock it's an international qualification. Um, it's not weird to have a stock portfolio. It's uh, maybe not a bad idea. What, what I... What I will say in response to that is, I think you're right. Um, I saw a tweet recently where a guy said, you know, in the 1990s, which is when I was growing up, you could, on a single income, send two kids to to a four-year college, to a decent four-year college. You could go on vacation a few times a year. You could have a, like a household, you know, roof caving in or whatever, and it wouldn't be an out-and-out emergency. Yeah, two cars For, in the driveway. Exactly. For the time that we're living in now, I've just described someone on half a million a year. Correct. Right? Yeah. So it just, it's a way of life that doesn't exist anymore. But that entitlement, that kind of fear of poverty, I, I kind of get it because he's hanging on to a, hanging on to a paradigm that is no longer applicable. But what the rest of us have realized, and I kind of straddle, like, I, I, am I a bit younger than him? I think I'm a bit younger than yeah, him. Yeah, you I'm are. A little yeah. older than you. And, you know, so I kind of straggle, straddle both those mentalities, I suppose. But I have accepted the reality of the times that we live in, 
right? Which is that it is just about getting by to the next week and the next month and the next year. And if poverty comes, then poverty comes and you will do your best to avoid it. But I'm not afraid of it because I've learned that the other things have value in life, you know, and that we are all incredibly, even the poorest among us are still incredibly privileged compared to people 800 years ago, you know? Sure. So, Oh, I don't know. When when capitalism stares at you with the white walker eyes of the unblinking, <laughs> unfeeling, cold dead, like was in his eyes in that moment, I don't know. It's pretty fucking scary. And let's not kid ourselves. Like, don't label me as some sort of, you know, hippie communist socialist. I'm a capitalist like everyone else. But I see how grotesque it can be when it's unfettered. And it looks like Cody Brown. Do you know what term I learned today? Moon bat. Oh, I like that. Do is, you know what a moon bat is? I guess it's a little bat that just flew too far. One day just went too far. Well, that's what I thought. And uh, I... I'm lost. I love... I can't fly upwards. <laughs> now my radar's not catching anything. I love bats. Um... And Mr. Elliot Wilson, who um, the Patreon $10 tier and above will will know from the bonus podcast, Royal Tea, um, talked to me about moon bats today. A moon bat is a person with extreme left-wing political views. Ah. <laughs> What's that based off? I mean, I guess, like, you're so doolally, you live on the moon, but also you're a bat. No, it's a... He says it may derive for from a nickname for George Monbiot. Okay. I don't know who that is. I guess he was extraordinarily left-wing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, to Elliot is like... I mean, right. A Democrat. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> socialist. Oh, God bless. Um... Man. You know what? I think that's about it. I think we've covered all that ground. No big mysteries revealed. Not really. It's just, I guess, what a season to have got into watching uh, Sister Wives. Um, the Empire has crumbled. Caesar has the knife, has three, four knives in his back, really, but certainly three. Um, not not Caesar Mac, to be clear. No, no. Caesar's... <laughs> that Caesar is angling for the like honestly if Cody doesn't want to have loads of wives anymore that Caesar is he's angling to take over the franchise y'all please let us know whether you think Caesar's Ukrainian sister wives in training were real because I don't believe it for a second I do and there's the terrifying thing. You have no idea how valuable candy panties are in the Ukraine. Oh, I just said the Ukraine. And I apologize for that. Um, Michelle is... Pass me that margarita in a bottle. <laughs> you probably heard my eyes clinking. I took the day off work. We're partying today. We're doing... I can't. Um, we're doing all the... Oh, man, stretches. We're doing all the things today that we haven't had the chance to do in the last few weeks. Like, hey, talk to you. Um, 
and it makes us very happy. Um, and we're drinking margaritas all in the, the daytime. All the things we should have said that we oh, never boy. said. Oh. All the things we should have done that we no. never did. All the things that you wanted for me. Yeah. All the things that you needed from me. Yeah. All the things. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring some naps. Why not? Um, one thing I want to say before we bid you several dieus, um, is, um, I hope Sean Robinson was watching, uh, this interview because this is how you do holding guests to account, right? Um, you don't stick a bunch of them in a room together and let them fight with each other because it's grotesque carnival. You actually listen to what they say and respond with follow-up questions. It's not enough just to say, mm, so tell us about, um, like, you know, your pregnancy and then shut up for 15 minutes. Oh, darling, make it go. Make it go away now. So, would you, if you have the cast, would you just sing at them until they were so exasperated they just said all the things they didn't intend to say? Why do you think my singing is exasperating? <laughs> In an interview situation. That'd be quite good, though. Someone comes on and the interviewer just sings at them. I take back what I said. I'm deeply offended. <laughs> All I was saying is that that's how you do a motherfucking interview. As someone who has done thousands of them. I agree. She was getting so much heat. And I can only assume that the people who were criticizing her and saying that she was deferential to Cody nope. obviously have never done that here's, before and don't understand. No, here's how interviews work, right? Every person you talk to, you make like you're on their side, right? And that isn't cynical. It's about getting them to be them. And so you have to be them too. So they forget that there's another person there. It isn't cynical. It's just about giving someone the comfort and the space when they don't feel like they're going to have you jump down their throat. And there are ways of then cross-examining, which don't involve like naked hostility. But my God, so much more was got out of those people by someone doing a proper damn job of interviewing. Um, having said that, hey, if any networks want an actual pro to do that shit, um, you don't have my number, but you can probably get it. <clears throat> Shall we? Yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. We're thinking of you. We're holding your hearts and our hearts and we're so phenomenally thankful that you're still here we really are um please don't hate me and think i'm a terrible socialist i'm really not um i hope everyone gets everything that they want under the christmas tree or whatever kind of tree you have in your house um because we do adore you and thank you for bearing with us that means a shitload of a lot um and there'll be more of us i do i, I can assure them of that right right absolutely oh so much more um thanks y'all and it's been too long but we will see, see you soon, soon.